know I look like Uncle Si drinking from my cup like this. This is what I drink from every morning on my way to work is one of these cups. Uh, they're kind of like coffee stained, but my voice is uh, just about gone. I don't know what's going on, if it's a cold or whatever, so I didn't shake any hands this morning, so I apologize if I didn't shake your hand. But we can fist bump in the air right now. Everybody just fist bump me. That's that's good enough. There we go, air bump. That's good. Keep you keep you healthy. Uh, pray that uh, pray for me that uh, that I would get over that whatever this is pretty quickly. Um, we are in the sermon series entitled uh, Transmission. It's the transfer of power. And last week we talked about the transfer of power uh, where Jesus came from heaven to earth to bring about uh, the kingdom of God upon the earth. And Jesus brought that power that was present in heaven with him. And uh, everything was in obedience to him. When he would walk and somebody would be sick, that he would pray for them and they would be healed. Uh, we've seen demons flee out, run into the swine, run down the hill, and drown in the lake. Uh, you can see all through the Gospels different things of when Jesus come in to the situation or the scenario that things changed in people's lives because he had the power. Amen? He had the power over death, hell, and the grave, the Bible says even. And that kind of power is something that we should desire. It's something that we should uh, expect and something that we should seek uh, as children of God today because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen? We're joint heirs with Christ. The Bible teaches us that we're joint heirs with Christ. If we're joint heirs with him, then we are joint heirs just like you are in your family. So if you was born an only child, you're blessed because you get it all. You get the whole inheritance. Amen. Uh, Greg's the only child, so he, he's going to end up uh, with the whole inheritance. Uh, so, but if you was born with siblings, you got to split it up. Amen. How many knows that's the right thing to do? Split it up. So, uh, the inheritance. The Bible teaches us that we're to leave an inheritance for our kids, and uh, but that joint heir means that we are joint with him in equal. Amen. And that's scary because when we think about the being equal with Jesus, it kind of causes us pause to say, "Whoa." <laughs> Not me, right? That's how we feel because of our inadequacy, that we're not capable of doing what Jesus did. How many feels that way, that we're inadequate? Amen, as humanity. But the thing is, Scripture teaches us if we're joint heirs with him, then the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it says, resides within you. So when you're saved, you receive the power of God. The Holy Spirit comes within you, and that power is present to cause a change in other people's lives as well as your life. Amen. Amen. And that's what Peter and John did on the steps and all the different things that we read about in Scripture all the way through the book of Acts. You'll see the power of God present to change people's lives through inapt uh, people with low skill set as far as Peter. Uh, he was a man that didn't have much skill set. He was a fisherman. But God caused him to have the power of God inside of his life that 3,000 people got saved in one day during a sermon. And he wasn't even a preacher yet. Amen. That's the power of God. And that's what I seek during this season. And as I think about this, this uh, uh, sermon series, that I want that power present in our life as Bethesda because our community needs to know Jesus Christ. Amen. That there needs to be a power of God where that it changes our mortal bodies to become what Jesus intended us to be. 
Amen. I believe that, that as we are changed, people witness that change. Amen. And as they see the change in you, they're going to say, what's going on in that person's life? Amen. They do it. I don't know if, if, if you've recently been coming to Bethesda and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord. You've raised your hand. You said, Pastor Ben, pray for me. And you, you repeated the prayer of salvation. And maybe you've come and got water, water baptized. And, and you've got the power of God in your life now. And there's people on your job site that may look at you and say, well, what's different about this person? The difference is Jesus. Amen. Amen. The difference is Jesus. The Bible says that the eyes are the window to the soul. Amen. I don't know about you, but it's hard to trust somebody that won't look you in the eye. I've always kind of been that way in my life. If somebody won't look me in the eye, I don't trust them very much. Amen. Because the eyes are the window to the soul. So whenever you come around people, don't be afraid to look them in the eye. Whenever you've got Jesus on the inside of you, because it's Jesus looking through you, looking at that individual. Amen? If Jesus lives in you, he's the hope of glory. He will look through you, and those people will see him in your eyes. Amen. And I don't know if you've ever been around a godly person, but I've been around some prayer warriors in my life. I've been around those people that will get down and kneel and pray and seek God and read and study his word, and they, their lives are transformed by his power. And you can see it, and you can sense it when you're around them. And when they look at you, it's like there's a piercing look from their eyes, and you know there's something different inside of them. It's Jesus. That's the power of God. The sermon today is in Luke chapter 2. This kind of power. Luke chapter 2. The kingdom of God is different than anything else that I've ever known. The kingdom of God is upside down compared to anything else that I've ever seen in far as government or organization or structure or anything else on this planet. The kingdom of God is reverse in order. Amen. He said, the least among you shall be the greatest in heaven. Amen. And the greatest among you shall be the least. God flips us all on our head. And the sooner we come into obedience to the kingdom of God and the structure of God, the sooner we'll see that we shouldn't seek the top. We should seek the bottom. Luke chapter 2, And it came to pass in those days, that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Isn't just like man to want to put a number on you. Our whole life in America is based off our social security number. You can't open a checking account without it. You can't get a job without it. You have to have that number because it's the number that man has given us. But what if we lived our life that God has numbered us with a different number than our social security number? What if I would memorize what he says about me versus what they say about me? Amen. I can tell because my first three digits of mine is 403. I pretty much know I was born in somewhere in southern Ohio. You can look at people with 276 and different numbers that their first three begin with. You can tell where they was born because everybody else was given that number because it's a number of man in a region. But I don't live according to the purpose of man. I live according to the purpose of God. Verse 2, this census first took place 
Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went out to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which he called Bethlehem because he was the house and lineage of David. So he registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was his child. So it was was that he was there that the days were completed to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. You would think a king, the king of kings being born, would have a more grandiose entrance than to be born in a cave in a manger. But the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of man. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, with God, it's a little bit different. <laughs> Amen. Tell your neighbor, it's a little bit different with God. Now, these are the verses that I want to come into contact with here now. Verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in the manger, and they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all those who heard it were marveled at the signs in which they were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the transmission of power that you've given us here on planet Earth. God, you've given us all authority over everything in our life. God, I pray today for every person in this room, for all the kids downstairs, for the teachers and everyone present today. God, that you would equip us to do the work that you've called us to do. Lord, that you would just make known in our lives your plan, your will, your strategy, your structure for us at Bethesda. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. As I begin to ponder about and think about the sermon today, for today, it's been upon my heart to preach about a diversity in the body of Christ and how that there's a diversity from within the body of Christ, that there's a difference of types of people. And as we see this in the foundation of who was made aware of the birth of Jesus. Amen? 
that there was people there present of different social, economic backgrounds, people with different careers, people of different descent. That there's a diversity when Jesus comes on the scene. Amen. And I believe there needs to be a diversity in the body of Christ. Amen. Whenever we see people come into the body of Christ that we shouldn't look at them with angst or with any other preconceived notion because of who they are as far as orientation as their uh, uh, genealogy or their DNA. But we look at them like Jesus would look at them. Amen. And I thank God that, you know, that uh, people of color have come here and they feel welcome. Greg brought his friend last year, a, a, a guy that he knew, and he come in and he stood on this uh, altar up here and he proclaimed the word of Jesus and he was a man of color and he felt plenty, plenty comfortable here at Bethesda to speak and declare what God had spoken to him. I love that about Bethesda, that there can be a diversity here of people of different backgrounds, of people of different character, of people of different styles that we're not locked into, just people like myself. Amen. That there can be a diversity here. These shepherds in this story in Luke chapter 2 are the people that I want to look at today. These were the poorest of the poor. These were people in our society today that we would look at that would be on welfare basically because they couldn't sustain themselves and they couldn't uh, supply for themselves. They didn't inherit land. They didn't have anything other than a few sheep that could breed and, and bring about another sheep that they could walk around and they was usually on other people's land letting their sheep uh, eat on other people's porridge and as those sheep would beget other sheep, these shepherds, that was their way of life. And as society, everybody in Israel looked down upon shepherds. And sometimes in our culture, where we're at, we look down upon people because they don't have what we have. We look down upon them because they don't wear the style of clothes that we have. We look down upon them because maybe they don't have as good a car as we do. But in the kingdom of God, everything on this earth is flipped on its head. And who else would Jesus invite? But he says, the poor you will always have among you. There will always be poor on this planet. Jesus declared it. Who does he invite? The shepherds. The wise men, all they got was a star. Come on, somebody. All they had to follow was a star. The poor little nobody shepherds out there on the side of the hill with their sheep that everybody else put down. Who showed up to them? Angels. Amen. The angels, the host of heaven showed up saying glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Good will towards men. That's amazing to me that shepherds got angels and the wise men that had gold, frankincense, and myrrh as a present got a star. God's power is different than what we expect. God's system is different than what we expect. God's strategy is different than what we expect. Leslie and I were invited this weekend to go Friday night and Saturday morning to a conference in Lexington. I'd never heard of it, didn't know anything about it, but uh, Brother Andrew, Brother Andrew Grubb from up at Ashland that come here and spoke recently, he called us and he said, I want you to go with us. 
It's called Mosaic, a, a, a gathering, a group of people, of Christian leaders. It's like, why do they choose me? Don't make any sense to me. In Lewis County, we're the least among our brethren. Amen? Look. Start studying. Find out where some of the poorest communities are in our state. And our state is one of the poorest ones in the nation. Lewis County is on the bottom of the pile. Why do they invite me? And we get down there and start at the conference and the guy gets up to speak and he talks about his roots in Kentucky and he says that the great awakenings of the past have all happened in Kentucky and he talked about the Cane Ridge Revival and if you've never studied the Cane Ridge Revival, you should because the power of God showed up and hundreds of thousands of people down there around Paris and they, they, they come in there and, and they, the church, they literally had to, had to tear the church down and people cut the trees down and, and they made a big clearing in the forest and the preachers would get up because there was no microphones. There was nothing that we know present today in the mid-1800s. And they cut down trees and the preachers, there would be multiple preachers preaching during the service because they would just preach to the regions of the people where they were standing on a stump. Some estimate 200,000 people attending those meetings. Can you imagine? Go to a Rupp Arena ball game. How many is there? What is it? 24,000 in Rupp? That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. You can go down there to the uh, thing the youth go to every year and watch uh, whatever that conference is that singing what is it winter jam yeah and they've got people on the floor then so there's more than that there then probably 30,000 that's a lot of people think about that in proportion to 200,000 people seeking God and they brought about the great awakening you can read and study about it and mostly it was poor in eastern Kentucky but this thing we went to yesterday the guy was speaking about that he is seeking that he is looking for a mosaic because the people that attended that service, there were Methodists, there were people from every background, Catholic, all of them. They were all there present in those 200,000 people worshiping the same God. How many would like to see the church come back to a place to being one rather than many? Because Jesus is the great shepherd. In John chapter 10, if you want to study about what a good shepherd is, Jesus tells you in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep shall know my voice, and they will follow me and not follow another. Jesus is the great shepherd, and on his announcement day of when he was born, who else to be present but the shepherds, the least. And what I want to implore to you today in this power-packed message that I'm uh, trying to portray to you today is this, that don't think about yourself being the least that means you don't have anything to offer because he with the least has the most to offer to the kingdom of God, I believe. Amen. I believe Lewis County has something to offer. So when we got down there yesterday, I was speaking to that man. He's the, he, he preaches all over the world. He travels the world as an evangelist, speaks to hundreds and thousands of people. In conferences and churches, I'm talking big churches. He goes to the mega churches and preaches. And he's standing there and he's talking and he says, 
As he asked us where we're from, he's a real personal type of guy. He walks up, where are you from? We're from Lewis County. Lewis County? He said, my great-great-grandfather was from Lewis County. Really? Yeah, where's he from? Cabin Creek. Cabin Creek. Okay. He said, yeah, my great-great-grandfather had nine siblings. There was ten of them total, five girls and five boys. The five boys were all born blind. The five girls were all born deaf. His great-grandfather was a, a preacher. Some of his brothers were business owners. They built houses blind in the mid-1800s. His great-great-grandfather had traveled from Lewis County and ended up in Nicholasville, the very spot where we were sitting for the conference we was in yesterday. You think about a, parent, a set of parents to have five deaf daughters and five blind sons and not give up. Come on, somebody. I said they didn't give up. They didn't say, woe is me, or God, why did you do this to me? They raised them, they reared those children, and they all became something in society and went on and forged paths. How much are we encouraging those around us? Amen. How bad if we're born with some ailment or some different thing, or maybe this goes on in our life and we don't understand it, and, and do we sit back and say, woe is me, or we do we say, I'm going to work with what God has given me? Amen. I believe as a church the best way to forge a path forward is to work with what God has given us. Amen. I don't need to worry about reaching the elite in our society. i got to worry about reaching who God says is going to be in Bethesda because Bethesda is a mosaic. Amen. There's a difference in people in our church. There's a difference in homes that you would go to. And if you would go to one person's home, you would think, man, they live like that. And then you go to another person's home, wow, they get to live like this. Amen. There's a difference. There's a, a diversity within Bethesda. There's a diversity within our group of people as Bethesda that can exist with the presence of God, the power of God to unite and make one out of many. Amen. I, and there's a bunch of different backgrounds, and I love it that, that Craig is sitting here today, and, and I got to go out to eat with him last week. He's been coming for a while, and I haven't got a chance to talk to him a lot, but he was telling me he was raised Catholic. I was praise God. Amen. And I don't say that with any kind of uh, anything. I, I, I love Catholic people. The best neighbors of my life were Catholics because they made me cake. <laughs> Amen. I've lived around a bunch of Christians. None of them come and brought me cake the day I moved in my house. But the Catholics were there, wasn't they, Leslie? Our neighbors. They washed our house when we go on trips and stuff. Good people. What if the many could become one. What if Jesus shows up on the scene in society, in the world, where there's a diversity, and he can get people from Iran to stand beside some Jews and stand beside some shepherds? Amen. And what if there was a diversity from the day he was born? How amazing is God. He's a God that unites. Amen. 
And it doesn't matter what background they had. It doesn't matter what religion. It didn't matter if they were astronomers and scientific people or they was just some uh, hooligans out on the side of the hill watching some sheep. He brought them all together in one big mix and said, we're all one now. Jesus is the great uniter, amen? The transfer of power from heaven to earth causes us to have a uni unity amongst us. And the Bible even says how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Amen. That there's a unity and we can be different. Amen. There's a difference. There's a difference in this room today. There's some people during praise and worship that will stand and they might sing the words real low. And there's other people in the room that will sing real loud. Amen. There's a diversity. There's some people that say, well, I'd rather just stand here and have it all on the inside and I'll let tears flow down my face and I'll just be in silence with God. And there's other people that wants to pray and pray loud. But it's a diversity. That's what Jesus did. He brought different people together. And I don't know about you today, but I love diversity. I love that there's a unity in diversity. And the way that I best pictured that I could get in my mind was the shepherds. Because they had a lot of different kind of sheep. Amen? Have you ever been around any animals? Anybody ever grow up on a farm, been around some animals? I know, I know Pap dealt with horses and stuff. Man, they all got personalities, don't they? You can get on one horse. and I remember Uncle Mike that had a horse. His name was Bill. It was a spotted horse, just a horse named Bill. As a kid, I hated horses, scared to death of them. Because I seen the one we had, it would kick and stomp and paw and snort and carry on. And Dad even had two mules, and they were dumber than the horse. I was scared to death of them. But you go up to Uncle Mike's, and Bill would stand there, and you could punch him, hit him, kick him, spit on him, do anything. Bill would just stand there and look at you. Uncle Mike would take us and set us on the saddle, and Bill would walk down the field. We didn't even have to have the reins. He would walk down the field and walk back to the, to the barn without anybody guiding him. A diversity, even in animals. It's amazing, isn't it? How that even animals have a diversity. But God even unites them. God even unites them because those wise men, you see the nativity scene, don't you? There's camels laying down there. They're in a stable. They're in a cave. There's probably goats. More than likely because there was people that raised goats there too. There was people that raised sheep, the shepherds. All this diversity even in the animals around the stable. But the common denominator that brought them all together was what? The little poor baby. That didn't have anything. It was laying there in swaddling clothes. Brought it all together. And made it all make sense. And in this place today, if we want to know anything about the power of God, I believe as a church is the power to unite a diversity, a difference. And we can make a difference in our community if we'll believe that you don't have to be like me to worship with me. Amen. I'm here to worship Jesus. I'm not here to worship a style. I'm glad that we can sing praise and worship music and Leslie knocks it up sometimes and goes back and gets a hymn out or today she had a, a Christmas tune. I'm sure that made Greg happy. He, he, he's listened to Christmas music all year long. There's a diversity. 
There's people in this room that loves bluegrass. Anybody like bluegrass? I love listening to bluegrass. I can listen to rap. There's people in this room that likes rap. Albie, if you don't believe me, pull in and sit beside of her car when she pulls into church. Greg put a big speaker in her car last year for her birthday or something. She pulls in now. It's like, it's like, listen to some Christian rap, some Lecrae going on. You know what's awesome about Lecrae? I listened to his story the other day on NPR as I was going to work. And NPR don't care anything about Christian. They, they won't hardly do anything about Christianity. And they brought Lecrae on, a black rapper, a black Christian rapper. And was speaking about him, what God did in his life. And he was talking about diversity. That how God's allowed to be different. Amen. If people like rap, there ought to be Christian rap. Somebody say amen. I'm not telling everybody you have to listen to it. I can listen to rap. I like rap. It don't matter. I can listen to anything. I was like that as a sinner. Amen. I could be listening to uh, Earl uh, Scruggs and them, and, I, and then the next minute I'd have on ACDC. I, I was a pretty diverse type of guy. I'd be Sir Mix a lot. And I, I'd, uh, I've done it all. I've listened to all of it. It didn't matter to me. I, I was diverse in my. So in Christianity, I believe it needs to be the same that God can be worshiped. Amen. People's allowed to be different. Won't you stand? The great uniter of all humanity. This is the season where it's about him. A season. And I love it that in Lewis County just this past weekend they had a all the churches in Vanceburg got together and they had a, a walk where that you go and walk and they started at the courthouse and sing Christmas carols and walk to each of those churches downtown. Christian church, the Methodist church. There's allowed to be a diversity there. Most other times of the year, try to get them together. today and you may be a person that was born in a home that, that didn't allow there to be too much diversity just the, just the religious backgrounds in this room I mean it's so it's a, I used a word here the day in Kansas I love this word I've heard it and I've used it a lot in my life Said, Wait, we gotta get married. 
right thing to do. He got married. Little did they know. His wife's baby is going to be the pastor's wife. Amen. We don't know. God does. And I love hearing Greg tell stories about growing up out in Caney Creek. Old Gregor Baptist and the line singers. Anybody ever been around line singing? Great-grandma, she was a, she was an old regular Baptist, and her funeral, they sang old, those songs where they take a line sing. They make the hair stand up on your neck. If you've never heard it, you should. It's amazing.
ourselves and let us see the power of God present in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.